Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where the holidays won't keep us from reading. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. I'm Tara. And I'm Meredith. Happy holidays, everybody! Woo! <laughs> so, how is everybody doing? Mino's done with the semester. Oh my god, Mino's done with the semester. Yay! <laughs> Yay! My, my, I've made it through the first semester of being a law school widow. And I have to say, it's terrible (laughs) to all my friends who've done before. Man, I'm sorry I did not give you enough love during this time for you. Um, It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. They're very busy. Law school's... I did grad school. Law school's harder. I I think (laughs) it seems that way. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. But I'm excited. Holidays are here. He's off for like a full month and a half. So that's really cool. Um, and yeah, just excited to get to spend more time with friends and family and all that good stuff. Very nice. How are you doing, Jeanette? Uh, well, if I'm being quite honest, it has been rough round here lately. Um, a lot of reasons, personal stuff and whatever. And then on top of that, um, I got this illness that nobody over five years old gets. Like, nobody. I got hand, foot, and mouth. <laughs> it hap- oh, it's no. super infectious. Like, it can happen. <laughs> it can yeah, you have happen. a baby. Yeah. I do have a baby, and she did have it first. And I wasn't really worried about catching it because nobody over five years old gets this illness. And when I went to my doctor and I was like, please tell me this is not what I think it is. Doctor's like, yeah. And I'm like, nobody gets this illness when they're an adult. And he's like, well, it's rare. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're telling me. Yeah. That basically the illness just mistook me for a child because I'm five two. Great, thanks. Oh, that's so <laughs> awful. Like, I that's feel so bad for you guys. Yes. Meredith, do not go over to Jeanette's place. You are shorter than her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you are in the danger range. <laughs> so you know, um, hopefully I'll be you know, hopefully I'll be healed soon. I've had it for three-ish days now three, four days, yeah. and it takes about a week to get over. So. Right. And scrub everything down. Yeah. Well, Dan- Daniel's been going around, like, cleaning everything over and over and over oh, good. again. First, he was good, cleaning good. it because he's like, okay, Catherine's getting better, you know. Mm-hmm. We should clean the house. And now he's like, look, you just reinfected everything. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just, like, following you <laughs> around the house. That's what I was imagining. <laughs> yeah, with Lysol. Very, very, like, my big fat Greek wedding in my head, like... <laughs> She sneezed. <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been quite a week, guys. I am ready for holidays. I am definitely ready to talk about some books. Yay, all right. How are you doing, Meredith? I'm good. I'm also done with the semester, so yay. yay. Uh, not law school, but uh, <laughs> going back for a graduate certificate in my field of work. So uh looks like I got like A's in both the classes I was taking. So Sweet. that's great. Expect nothing less of you, Meredith, really. Well, you know, uh <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> Genius. I, I definitely got back into school mode. I was like, oh I I've been out of school for like ten years. I can't mm-hmm. do this anymore. And it's like, well maybe I can, <laughs> sort of. I mean <laughs> doing it online helps because I can do it when I have time. Oh, yes, instead of having to like nice. get to like night school or something after work. So So far, so good. Uh, So, yeah, but it'll be nice to have a few weekends off here during the holidays. 
And Tara is going to be here, I guess, once when when this airs, Mm -hmm. you'll be flying in, right? I'll be flying in, yeah. I'll be flying in the day this airs. So, hey. (laughs) Exciting. Yeah. How are you, Susan? Uh, I'm good. Uh, We're definitely into the holiday spirit over here. Um, The weather isn't really holiday spirity. It's been kind of balmy-ish almost. Like, it hit 60 yesterday. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, but we got our tree up on our porch, um, so that's fun. <laughs> and my four-year-old picked it out, so it's kind of like lopsided looking, but that's okay because she <laughs> picked it. <laughs> um, gifts are pouring in for the girls, like literally pouring. Um, they each got a box from my in-laws. <laughs> oh, jeez. And more is coming. Um, and then uh, I'm participating in, let's see, Secret Santa Goes Postal, so I just received my box for that, and the box I'm sending out is going out tomorrow. So, yay! So it's all holiday over here. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting. Super fun. Well, and one nice thing about the holidays, well, hopefully, (laughs) you have time to read. May or may not, depending on (laughs) family and whatnot. Um, But what are we reading right now? Uh, well, we, like the past few years, uh, we have a very low-key holidays. Uh, like, we're not going anywhere, nobody's coming over, no family is coming to visit us. Um, so basically, my reading, like, amount hasn't changed. <laughs> okay, um, cool. But I am reading uh, How to Raise an Adult by Julie Lithcott-Haynes. Um, it's a really fascinating book, and I'm not even through chapter one. Um, and Church of Marvels by Leslie Perry. Um, it's for my Nerdy 30s book club, and I thought it was going to be something like touching and sweet, and it's touching, but it's also like dark. <laughs> hmm, okay. Like, Sorry, guys. It's still really good. <laughs> How about you, Jeanette? What you reading? Um... So right now, you know, I've been, like, balancing, like, 500 books for so long because I can't get through anything. But I finally started getting through things. That's the advantage of being sick. Um, I'm focusing on Red Seas Under Red Skies by Scott Lynch. That's the sequel to um, The Lies of Locke Lamora, which we read a few years ago. Ooh, how's it going? I really like it. Um, It took a little bit for me to kind of get around it, like, kind of figure out where it was going. But I remember The Lies of Locke Lamora was like that, too, where I thought it was going one way, and then it went another way. So it's kind of changing gears on me, and I'm like, I get it now. Um, <laughs> and there's pirates. Well, that's exactly it. Like, now they're <laughs> entering the pirate part. And I'm like, I don't get why this is supposed to be, like, all piratey. And uh, now they're getting to the pirates, and I get it yeah. now. Uh, it gets it's, it's pretty piratey. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, that's... That's the impression I'm getting. So, like, I'm about a third of the way through it. Um, but, guys, I demand a round of applause because I finally finished Lady Midnight by Cassandra Woo! Clare. Woo! I did it! Um, so I finished, of course, Heavenly Fire. I finished Lady Midnight. I legit dig the uh, protagonist in um, Lady Midnight. Just saying. Which one? Uh, That's important. Emma? You okay? Emma and Jules have a pretty shared protagonist spot in Lady oh, Midnight, so you no, don't agree. I, um, not not based solely on Lady Midnight. I, I haven't read the second book, but oh, okay, okay. I but think, no, Emma Emma's pretty sweet. 
Emma yeah. is a Carstairs, and she's pretty sweet. And I yeah. could go on, so I'll stop. Emma, uh, well, she's <laughs> one of these characters, like, Cassandra Clare always has, like, the, like, the snarky super shadow hunter character, you know? And mm-hmm. it's usually a guy. A, a and in this case, it's a girl, and it's Emma, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And you get that from, like, the very first page. She's the Jason Will of this. Yeah. Which is, she's the- I, th- I think it's cool. Yeah. Um... And then I finally finished Labyrinth Lost by Zoraida Cordova, too. Oh, hey. Very nice. That's a long time coming. Yeah, since October. If I had finished it on time, it would have been very, very good for Halloween. And as I was reading it, I'm like, man, I should have read this around Halloween. Oh, Mm -hmm. right. I tried. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, still a little dark for me, but I really like the family themes in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Tara? What are you reading? So, guys, this, you know, this is obviously our December episode, so we're going to be doing a look back a lot in in this. Um, And I've got to tell you, I don't know if it's just been my work schedule or whatever, but I did not read a lot, and I'm ashamed. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) Um, And I think I pretty much said since this book came out that it's been on my um, what I'm reading now list, but um, the last... um, the Last Shades of Magic book. Um, oh, A Conjuring of Light. A Conjuring of Light. I'm halfway Ooh. through it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, right. Finally. I'm like actively reading it again. <laughs> um, it's so good. And it's been so nice to read for fun. <laughs> um, it's really great. I'm also reading Turtles All the Way Down by John Green because I'm going to be doing a guest spot at Jeanette and Meredith's live um, YA book club. <laughs> Cool. next weekend yeah. so um i'm reading that in prep so i can actually discuss it i'm not just there to steal their free brunch <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yep that's what i'm reading meredith what about you well guess what i'm also reading turtles all the way down by john <laughs> shocking, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but you know what is shocking this is my first john green book <gasps> really oh. really how are you finding I, it? So far, so good. I, I'm only like maybe, I don't know, 60 pages in or something. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I'm not like super far in yet, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm sure, I don't know, I've just never gotten around to his stuff. Um, he obviously got big in YA when I was no longer a YA. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm having to kind of backtrack a little bit to get to some of his stuff. But so far, so good. Uh, so I'm reading that. I'm also reading City of Lost Souls by Cassandra Clare. Yay. So I'm working my way through it, the is series. That, is that the last? Uh, no. Second. Second, second to last. Second to Heavenly last Fire's of the last. main trilogy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, plugging along with that, uh, I recently finished on audio 450 from Paddington by Agatha Christie, which is a Miss Marple mystery. Yay. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Miss Marple was actually kind of more of a background character in this one, so that was that an interesting with her from take. Time to time, yeah, yeah, like she's the one kind of pulling the strings, but you just don't get a lot of face time with her. Mm. Yeah, uh, so it was good. And I also just finished another really interesting book and timely for everything going on, uh, *Infomocracy* by Malka Ann Older. So um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but it's good like. One. It's in, I don't know, like, what, a couple hundred years from now? I can't remember if it's been that long or closer to our 
future. Um, and it, it's like a worldwide democracy where you vote on the government you want in chunks of 100,000 people, and they call them sentinels. So you could have some areas of the world that are, uh, you know, sparsely populated that, you know, their sentinel takes up a whole lot of space technically but then you go into these crazy cities that have all of these people and it might only be like a couple city blocks before you're technically in another government uh zone i guess mm. and it's really interesting and it's it's it follows the few weeks up to the next big election worldwide election and it's just it took a little bit to get going i will say that but once it got going i was pretty hooked and i just needed to know what was going to happen <laughs> well that was recommended to us last year by jen from um book riot it yeah. was yes so yeah. thank you jen northington <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've got some exciting announcements to go over are you trying to cram in those last few pages or last few <laughs> books into 2017 for reading challenges yes. well yes <laughs> not, not, not just me okay good well, we are hosting a readathon at the end of the month. Uh, we're calling it the 11th Hour Readathon. Thanks, Sue, for that catchy name. Uh, and we're going to be doing it for a 24 hour time period starting Friday, December 29th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so, this one's going to be a little more, I think, laid back, low key compared to our June eclectic readathons. Uh, so we'll probably have, you know, some, you know, like little questions posting from time to time. But really, we just want people to have fun, get some reading in. And if you do any posting during the time, we're using the hashtag 11th Hour Readathon. Uh, and we'll be hosting this through our Litzy page. So if you're on Litzy, find us there. If not, feel free to use the hashtag wherever you talk about books. Mm -hmm. uh, so it should be a good time, I think. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, it should be really good. I mean, I, I know everybody sort of is like looking at their list this time of year being like, mm -hmm. okay, okay, <laughs> what didn't I hit? And, yep. you know, this is a good time. You know, it's in between Christmas. It's in between New Year's. You're pretty much a little bit tired of family, maybe. This is a good excuse. Give yourself 24 hours to chill, relax, and read some books with us, you know. Exactly. And, of course, we're not expecting you to read the entire 24 hours. I mean, if I you can. can. We plan to sleep. You should probably sleep, too. You know, you do you, but don't feel like uh, if you can only read for a couple hours, you're not actually participating. Because yep. you are. Whatever you can read is awesome. Yep. <laughs> And come January, uh, we announced on our last podcast episode that we're bringing back ER Mad Libs, our reading Yay! challenge. It's exciting. Yeah, everyone had so much fun with it this year. Uh, we've come up with a new story. And so we actually announced our 10 new parts of speech slash categories for the reading challenge. So you can find those up on our Litzy page. And we also have a Goodreads thread going on where you can talk about, you know, bounce ideas off if you're still trying to figure out some books that'll work, um, all of that good stuff. So again, that'll be starting in January. And just like this year, we'll do it the same. It's going to run from January to June. And the due date to get all of your books read will be the end of our 24-hour eclectic readathon in June, um, which we have tentatively ending on June 23rd at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course. Uh, and the idea is once you've read your 10 books, you'll... Uh, 
fill out our Google form, which will be, we'll, we'll make that a little closer to the readathon. But you'll send in your titles, and then we will create the Mad Lib stories for you, and we'll have a drawing for a prize. Yep. So it should be a lot of fun. Because last year, some of those stories were just crazy. So great. <laughs> some of them are really hilarious. Yep. So those are kind of our exciting things coming up. But let's spend a little bit, ta- a little bit of time looking back on 2017. So we obviously read a book a month this year for our podcast. We read Men Explain Things to Me, Blood at the Root, Girl Waits with Gun, Love Warrior, Romeo and or Juliet, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, Wallbanger, The Captive Mind, This Savage Song, Dark Matter, Pachinko, and Her Body and Other Parties. So I would say we had a pretty eclectic year here. Uh, <laughs> we read all kinds of stuff this year. We really did. So with that in mind, what were some of your favorite eclectic reader picks of the year? So I, I, I really like this one. Um, I'm going to say I really like Her Body and Other Parties. Um, I picked it. I thought I would, so not surprised but I did really like her body and other parties I think um I'll get into it more but it it came at the right time is what I'm gonna say um other than that one um Aristotle and Dante discovered the secrets of the universe is probably my favorite um it's it's right up all the things I like in books you know coming of age stories a little bit of you know it's a little bit romance a little bit of you know internal angst some political you know some like personal political issue i don't know i it's there's so much going on in that book and the parents are alive and the parents have a good <laughs> there's so much about that book to love mm-hmm. um i i just i think when i look back at all these books like what what one stands out to me and the image i keep coming back to is of those two boys out in the desert on the truck looking up at the stars so yeah. um so yeah that's my that's my favorite. What about you, Jeanette? What's yours? Um, so I didn't mean to laugh at you. It's just the two that I really like this year. Um, don't have alive parents. And <laughs> 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 I realize that follows like our pattern of folks with dead parents. Um, I really liked Girl Waits with Gun. Um, and that's going to sound like self serving because like I picked it, but actually I really really. I'm excited to read the next one and we read that months ago and it's still sticking with me and I'm still excited. So I liked that one and I really liked the Savage song. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I like Schwab. I think we've established that we all kind of like Schwab possibly. I think that's a safe thing to say. <laughs> I think we've mentioned it. Um, and I just love the way she creates worlds and monsters and I'm super, super excited to get to, uh, this dark duet. Like if I was going to make a list of books that I would read for like 24 hours straight in this readathon, I would cover like finishing both of those series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, what about you, Susan? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I'd like to point out that we all picked like multiple books. (laughs) I know we should pick just one. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Uh, That's too hard. Yeah, that's it is. It's way too hard. Um, (laughs) My favorite. Don't ask me um, to choose. Huh? Don't ask me to choose. Oh, (laughs) right. Um, I really liked Pachinko. 
That um, was good. It's just like so rich. I loved it. Um, and this Savage song is also a pick of mine. Um, I absolutely loved it. It was just so good. The audiobook was so good. Like, it was, I loved it. So, yeah, those two would be my picks for this year. Um, what about you, Meredith? Well, I'm picking three. So, ha. <laughs> Greedy. But, but I, I feel like That's for like different. literally 25% of all the books we read. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> But I'm, I feel like I'm picking them for different reasons, if that makes sense. Like, I really, I mean, enjoyed isn't really the right word, but I really enjoyed Blood at the Root. Um, yeah, I almost picked you know, that one, too. But just because we had really good discussion, I think it was, it was interesting to really to learn some stuff that I had no idea happened, you know? Uh, and so for, for that reason, I think for kind of opening up my mind a little bit, I enjoyed it. And then... Dark Matter was just really fun, and I think we had a really fun discussion about it. So I liked it for that reason. And then, yeah, like Susan said, Pachinko was just this really rich, just a good book, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So so I just liked them for different reasons. And yeah. and I liked other ones, too, of course. But Which book was your book this year? Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the oh, Universe. Oh, look at that. I picked yeah. it. I was going to say, everybody else picked one of theirs, and I didn't think you did, and I couldn't remember which one was <laughs> But I did like that one. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I like. I, I really did like most of what we read this year. Yeah. Well, you know? I would say, like, so, listeners, to give you a little inside info, like, we were having a discussion about this conversation <laughs> we're having before we started recording, and I said that I liked... I, like, I really liked six of the books that we read this year. And every single one of the books you guys mentioned um, was in that list of six. Because mm-hmm. we go. read really good books yes, this year. Did. And, and, and we have a decent, I hate being like we have a decent consensus because we do have differing points of views. But I think, you know, generally we know what we think is good. <laughs> if it's going to be hit among hit. the four of us or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so. All right. So aside from what we read for the podcast, what were some of your other favorite reads of 2017? That's hard. Let's start man. with, let's start with Jeanette. Ah, I just <laughs> said that was hard. Just well, then just get it out of the way. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is going to sound crazy um, because the first book that I mentioned, Brace Yourself, Tara, is a book of poetry. <gasps> who are you (laughs) all my heroes are broke by ariel francisco um ariel francisco is actually a friend of my brother's and he wrote this little book of poetry and my brother brought it with him when he came to visit earlier this year and i gobbled it up and like you know like an hour or two like while my brother was here i was like you sit there you play with the kid i'm going to read this book and it really made me think a little differently about poetry and I really liked all the poems in it so that's one of the ones that's gonna really stick with me for a while I think I'm so happy (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to make you happy I'm really happy (laughs) Um, I'll lend you the book yes please Um, please. so um, Her Majesty's Dragon by Naomi Novik is another one I talked about that one a few months ago that's Napoleonic Wars, but with dragons. Mm-hmm. And it's super oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to that one soon, too. Um, Hum If You Don't Know the Words by Bianca Moraes has really stuck with me. Um, 
and the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. Mm. I just started that one this year. I really like it. I'm excited to get to the second one. It's, you know, fantasy, a girl who's uh, competing to become, like, the royal assassin, basically. And she's super snarky and super fun, and as I mentioned earlier, I like that. It's been a good year for reading, and I've read, like, a billion graphic novels this year, too. Um, and they were all just so good. This has been a great year for graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Like, a great year. I've just read a lot of good ones. It's so... I'm, I'm excited, guys. It's been a good reading year. <laughs> and it's not quite over yet. There's a readathon to go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All right, Who so Susan, to... what about you? Oh. <laughs> um, well, speaking of graphic novels, um, I read like I also read a lot of really good graphic novels this year. Um, so I kind of wanted to bring them to light and give them a little love. Um, so some of the graphic novels I really liked: uh, Giant Days, oh, so good. Yep. Just <laughs> man, everything relatable. That's me there, me in college <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> um, super good saga. Just Brian Vaughn just killing it with an amazing story. Um, Lumberjanes is absolutely adorable. Um, just I wish camp was like that for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Miss Marvel was really good. Um, really enjoyed that. And I just discovered Phoebe and her unicorn. A very delightful. That is so adorable. Yes, I. <laughs> it looks cute. I kind of uh, compared it to um, Calvin and Hobbes, except for little yep. kids. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll because, lend you my copy, Mare. It's good. Yeah, and, and because it is directed <laughs> towards children, it's they're easy reads. So, like, you can just kill it in, like, an hour, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually read, I would say I read the first 60 pages or so to Catherine one day. And mm-hmm. That was before she'd even turned a year old. She was just fascinated. Yeah, I would totally um, read it to my girls. Like, they would totally yeah. just be able to pay attention to it. So Yeah. Yep. It was really cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how about you, Tara? What did, what were your favorite reads? So, yeah, <laughs> I did not read a lot this year. Again, super shamed, and this is going to be a part of my book illusions in twenty eighteen is to do better because I didn't really have book illusions. And anyway, yeah, do better. That's going to be number one. Um, but I read Landline by Rainbow Rowell this year, um, and that was a really really good read. You all have read. I'm sure all of you at this yep. point have read Landline. That's yeah. the one I, I haven't. haven't read. Yeah. Oh my really? God. It's really good. Yeah. I it's on feels yeah, it's, about it. Yeah. It's the it's one I have shelved. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I just, I'm going to be sad because when I read it, I won't have any left to read. And mm. so I've been putting it off. So all I have is that short story book or the yeah. really small book mm-hmm. from Kindred her Spirits and Kindred Spirits. I have, I have Kindred Spirits and Attachments left. Mm. So those are the <gasps> you two I've been... You haven't read Attachments? Uh, sh- guys, I know, okay? I've been holding <laughs> off on it. <laughs> I get it <laughs> because I'm give doing me the same a break. thing. Um, but I really enjoyed Landline. Like, I, I cried a couple of times during it. I had a lot of feelings about it. Yeah. It was really, really good. And, um, you know, I'll... I'll Four of us are married, so I, I think, like, you know, anyway, it's really, it's really good. Um, and I think, I haven't finished it yet, but, like, as we've established here, V.E. Schwab is a fave. And I'm, like, 
really truly just getting through a conjuring the light super fast now and i i it's gonna be one of my favorites it's really really great so yeah um meredith you're the last to go what non-er books are your favorites well i'm going to agree with you on a conjuring of light uh yeah especially the last half don't just, tell me i hate you I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're so i'm mean, not Mary. i am not i'm not what did I say? I said the last half. That is yeah, all I said. the half I haven't read. Thanks. <laughs> Holding it over. Well, you're about like to read it. <laughs> um, and I'm just, I'm so excited that we get to go back to this world in a couple more years that she's writing more in this world. It's just, oh, I'm so excited. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I finally actually read The Handmaid's Tale this year. Mm-hmm. So obviously Atwood is just, amazing she's an amazing writer so i'm glad that i can finally say that i've read that book i also like jeanette read hum if you don't know the words which again yeah has stuck with me as well jeanette it was just really good um and i hope it gets bigger you know i feel like not a lot of people know about it yet but i'm hoping more people will read it uh i also really enjoyed homegoing that was great. Again, kind of heartbreaking, but just a really good read. And then just a super fun read that I read near the beginning of the year, but I still think about is My Lady Jane. Yeah, so I mean, much it's a fun. good one. <laughs> I would bet money you've brought it up every single podcast. I would literally bet money on that. Um, I, I don't think so. I would actually, I, I, I'd bet no. with Tara on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly love it is my point. <laughs> I would say you'd probably be a better bet saying that I brought up V. Schwab. Yes. Time. Yep. <laughs> I would put money on that, too. Both those things. <laughs> Clearly love both those things. <laughs> but it, it helps when you read a really good book at the beginning of the year, right? Because mm-hmm. then it sticks with you and oh, you just yep. kind of start thinking about other other times that it can fit into a discussion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also asked on our Litzy page for some listener feedback. So we asked our Litzy followers what their favorite eclectic reader books were for the year. Uh, Karen UK said Dark Matter and Wallbanger were both super fun books. Godmother X5 said Pachinko was my favorite book discussed. I also enjoyed the DNF segment. That so was a good, good job. I think that was on. I liked that segment. That was a fun yeah. one. Yeah, I think that one was on the captive mind discussion. So I wasn't there, but good job, you three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Book Lou said, "I love Dark Matter and her body and other parties. Dark Matter was so much fun to read, and her body was so twisted, but at the same time empowering. Really good stuff." And then we also asked for uh, anyone's favorite reads of 2017 that weren't eclectic reader picks uh risa pieces said mississippi blood all the ugly and wonderful things and beasts of extraordinary circumstances just to name a mm. few yeah bianca said every heart an open doorway which i've been hearing a lot of good stuff about uh amor for libro said pachinko she still wanted to throw that in mm-hmm. uh the hate you give the copenhagen affair the stolen marriage and many more so thanks, everybody, for responding on our Litzy page. We love hearing back from our listeners. And I think I have done enough talking. I'm going <laughs> to turn this over to Tara for our main read discussion. So we read, uh, for our last book of 2017, um, we read Her Bodies and Other Parties by Cameron Maria Machado. I really hope I didn't just butcher that um, i think it's carmen but yeah. carmen did i say what did i say 
thought you said Shoot. Cameron. But. Oh, my yeah, God. that's what I heard Carmen too. Carmen <laughs> Maria Machado. Uh, and I was worried about the Machado. There's. <laughs> if it helps, I think he did a great job with Machado. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyway. Um, this is a finalist for the National Book Award for Fiction. Um, her bodies and other parties, I really, or her body and other parties, I really believe came at the right time. Um, spurred on from the, I would say, extreme feelings from the 2016 election. Um, and um, 2017, in a lot of ways, not just this book, but in a lot of ways, has been a feminine national reaction to what happened in 2016. Um, you know, uh, and it's, um, you know, when you look back, I think 2017 will be a landmark year for women. Um, and this book contributes to that. So these, these short stories here, um, her body and other parties, um, I'm just going to read the synopsis <laughs> and then we'll get into it a little bit more. Um, in this book, Carmen blithely demolishes the arbitrary borders between psychology, realism, psychological realism and science fiction, comedy and horror, fantasy and fabulism. Um, while her work has earned her compa- comparisons to Karen Russell and Kelly Link, she has had a voice that is all her own in this e- electric, and I would also add eclectic, um, <laughs> and provocative <laughs> debut. Uh, Machado spends Ben's genre, which we love doing, Ben's genre to shape startling narratives that map the realities of women's lives and their violence visited upon their bodies. So really, there's there's um, seven short stories in this book, um, and that's really the key here, is the, the violence visited upon women. Violence in the form of relationships, violence in form of physical violence, violence you visit upon your own body, violence society visits upon you and the way women deal with it. Um, these stories are, you know, as it says in the description, it's genre bending. Some of it's extreme magical realism. Some of it's extremely real. Some of it's a psychological thriller. Some of it is a fairy tale. Um, you could have, I believe that one person could read this book 10 times and get something different from it every time. It's extremely open to interpretation. And because of that, I'm going to do less of what normally I come in with a couple of like hard hitting questions and really watch you all squirm. Um, We have a lot to get through and there's four of us on here. (laughs) So I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to go through um, each of the stories um, and then I'm going to just sort of open the discussion to points about those stories and what what we liked and didn't like. Um, But first and foremost, of course, um, what was one thing that stood out to all of you about this book? Um, For me, it was really, really well written. Um, I I think I might be like the, the unpopular side, but I wasn't quite a big fan of the book. But um she wrote really well. So it was easy to get through because of that or easier to get through. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you, Susan. I'm also like to be quite honest, I'm not really a big fan of the book overall. However, I couldn't help but notice how well written it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mayor? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting more from it as I've been thinking about it the past few days, uh, there's some really interesting concepts and themes 
in there. Well, okay, let's be honest. There's a couple that I was just kind of like, what about a couple of <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, there are. The There's a few in here. But most of them, I thought, had some really interesting concepts and ideas. Um, and if you can't tell already just by the synopsis, we are going to be covering some adult oh. themes and yeah. some adult situations. So maybe don't listen to this in the car with your kids or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and, putting that and, out there. And if you couldn't tell from the description as well, a serious trigger warnings um, from this point forward. Um around any of these issues about violence onto women. So um, Mm -hmm. be aware of that. Um, There's one story in particular at the very end Mm -hmm. um, that I will give a specific warning about. But um, but yeah, just be aware. So with that, should we move forward? (laughs) With that lovely note. (laughs) Um, The first story of this anthology is The Husband Stitch. And this is a classic retelling of the story, if you are familiar. It's a classic horror legend of the woman with the ribbon around her throat. Um, And the narrator carries us through her life from meeting her um, significant other to wedding him to giving birth um, and, and... motherhood and what that means and meanwhile really weaving it around retelling of classic stories about women and how how classic stories and myths treat women while he she herself is obviously one um so in general guys what do we think of it what what comes to your mind when you think of the husband stitch um i thought it was interesting uh, it, it liked it. It's just, I thought there were, I don't know. I felt it was too, it felt too forced. Um, maybe, maybe it was the first short story she was writing. I don't know, but it felt like she was trying a little too hard, um, to make the story she was trying to convey into it. Um, like the, the, you know, old time horror stories and that type of thing, the, the stalker, you know, when the couple is in the car and there's a stalker outside the car. Um, I just felt it, felt it it was a little too forced for me. Um, but it was it was interesting when she was just talking about her life and then with her husband and, and, and having it be around the ribbon. Like, that part was interesting. What about so, you, Mare? Oh, or Jeanette. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to say that, like, as a kid the green ribbon was one of like my favorite horror stories as a kid. I liked horror stories as an adult. I'm a wimp. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of my favorite horror stories. And so I thought this was going to be like a lot of fun having this story told from that perspective of the woman with the ribbon. Uh, and now that I'm thinking about it, and I was, as I was listening to Susan, I think I didn't really connect with the story, but I think it is because she includes so much. She's trying to do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned, it, there's inclusion of other stories. She really talks about um, various other stories about women. And she pulls so much in there. And it made it really hard for me to kind of relate to this particular story that she was trying to tell. Mm. Um and there were a lot of things that sh- that were written, which I knew were supposed to be like significant and were supposed to be meaningful. And I didn't feel like there was any sort of emotional response on my end from those things. Wow. Okay. 
So it was more like, I, I should care. I want to care. I just, I'm not, I'm not connecting with this narrator at the moment. So I, I have a very different reaction to this. So, I mean, I don't, so I guess maybe because the original story, the girl with the green ribbon, the, like I, the narration of it isn't from a point of view, right? Like it's from yeah, a it's third omniscient. person. Yeah. It's omniscient. Um, and so when I think of the story already, I'm not like relating to her as a human being. So I, I actually thought using the story was a really good segue because to me, I already have that sort of detachment from it. Um, and what, but the things that, but there are moments in here in this story that gut punch me. Um, I, I think, um, you know, the husband never really 100% respecting the one thing she just wants to keep to herself over and over and over again. I mean, it, it, it's like this constant battlefield that he just can't, he can't accept, um, that, you know, I kept just wanting to hit him or like (laughs) pull her away. It felt really invasive onto her body. I am, I think the moment where her kid is it's Halloween and he asks her, what are you dressed up as? And she's not wearing a costume. She goes, I'm your mother. And he flips out and, you know, she realizes, you know, he now has a new story about the time she, he realized his mother's not his mother. His mother's a a lie. Um, that for some reason gut punched me. Um, and I think obviously the moment in the husband stitch that is, from the title of the book, the, the husband stitch where, um, the two men are joking about doing this extra, extra mutilation. I'm going to say extra violence upon her body. And they're joking around about it. And she's clearly trying to communicate to them that she doesn't want to. Um, and she goes unnoticed. And I, I, I think there's like, I, I don't know. I, this one hits me harder than some of the others. Um, so am I the only one who didn't really know the term husband stitch before this? <laughs> I knew it. I don't know about any of the others. Yeah, no. I, I was familiar with the term, although it's not something I've heard in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Oh. Susan? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I heard it vaguely here and there, um, but I don't. Like I haven't read many things like a myth, like a myth people yeah. talk about in the wind and, and, and um, yeah, which it's is usually, why usually in older, older books, you know, like not older, I guess. Um, what is the term I'm thinking of? Anyways, um, not in a lot of things that I've read. So I've only heard it like once or twice. Mary? Yes. <laughs> do you were you going somewhere with that <laughs> well no i mean it's just like that's what it's called and i didn't i didn't oh, know yeah. that the procedure had a name so what is it mm. when you and in case i'm not the only one clueless you know out there mm. who's saying well what is this you keep talking about it mm. what is it um when you have an episiotomy they mm-hmm. kind of tighten you up even more than you were yes yep, yes correct... it's where they yeah. add additional stitches to tighten up the vaginal canal at post um, pregnancy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean oh. that was definitely a pretty, pretty messed up part of the book. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I thought I thought the story was pretty interesting. I knew like generally 
the the story it was following about the the girl with the ribbon around her neck. Um, but I can't remember in other versions of the story, are there other women with ribbons on different parts of their body like there was in this one? Not that I recall. No, not not that I've ever read, mm-hmm. which is actually one of the things I found really interesting. And I kind of wish they'd gone more into that because she mentions it kind of in passing at various points. Yeah, I this found that fascinating. had a ribbon around her ankle and mm-hmm. this woman had her ribbon around her arm or whatever. Yeah, And I was like, talk to me about that. Yes. Like, <laughs> I mean, right. I think though we we can we can get it, you know that that every woman has something and it's somewhere and it it relates to some part of her that is just for her, and she was worried that when her baby came out it would have a ribbon and then when mm-hmm. it didn't she's like it's a boy okay, um, yeah I I think I mean more because clearly the stories about you know the exactly that the the ribbon is about something that's reserved for her. And she feels that the husband keeps invading in that privacy. But there's also this... Women have shared experiences in general of, you know, thing things like this, circumstances like this. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to see her interact with more women, I think is mm-hmm. uh, kind yeah. of what okay. I'm getting at there, is that that shared experience, like... These are all women who have ribbons. Like, let's be part of that community mm-hmm. and interact with other people other than this husband. Yep. Yeah, I agree because yep. I thought it was I thought it was an interesting concept that they each had a ribbon, but in different parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I agree. I think that would have been an interesting kind of thing to see more of in the story. Mm-hmm. But I still enjoyed the story. I thought it was good. I thought it was yeah, a good entry into the book of short stories. Yeah. It really was. I will I will say that. It also made me very curious about where this legend even came from and Right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know um, that like this goes back to like I want to say it was like Washington Irving or somebody? Hmm. Did what? one really? of these? It's crazy. It's been going on for a while. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Thanks for Continue. that. That's true. Um, I, you know, uh, last thing about the husband stitch, I do think a lot of the most important parts of that story happen in almost offhand moments, like the husband stitch itself, like the women with the ribbons, like in these just background areas of this world, um, which I think actually is very, I, I think it, up until very recently, or maybe still a lot of the times is a very woman experience, you know, where a lot of your life happens. Right. I think that was something she, she did intentionally, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so moving on though, because we have six more (laughs) to go through, um, inventory, which I will just right out now say is one of my favorites of this list. Um, inventory is, um, a story about a woman in a post-apocalyptic time period where there is a, and we love post-apocalypse, <laughs> <laughs> yes. where there is a disease um, rampaging through uh, the world. And this woman, we see how this um, world evolves and handles the situation through an inventory of her sexual partners and relationships. Um, there's this, I mean, all of these stories have this haunting quality to it. It, it. The husband stitch as well. They all have this haunting quality to it. But inventory, I think, is where I really, really picked up on. Like, this is going to be a theme. Um, what did you all think of inventory? 
All right, Jeanette, what did you think of inventory? <laughs> um, I, I think I had a similar experience. Like both of these, the first two stories were stories that I felt like I would have been really invested in had I been able to become invested in the character itself. Um, but I thought it was kind of an interesting, interesting way to look at like a post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic I can't say that word today post-apocalyptic scenario post-apocalyptic sorry I I don't know guys I can't say it um but I thought it was that part was interesting um to kind of look at it as like look at your history as a series of I guess sexual encounters Mm -hmm. um what I really found interesting is I guess, like, if it were me in that situation, like, what would be my way of documenting my history? Is like, would it, like, what kind of list would I make to document my life? Mm. Like, that's the part I kind of found interesting about it, was that she was clearly a list maker. It mentions it several times throughout the story. And this is, you know, by the end of the story, she's alone. She knows that this plague has taken over it's killing everybody um she's one of very few survivors and this is how she's choosing to document her life right so it kind of got me thinking like what would i use to document my life and i still don't know (laughs) but question though but that was sort of where i came from of it is why this because what it ends up doing and i'm gonna i again ask tara to brace herself because i'm gonna (laughs) use a phrase that you know i hate oh god but basically um like oftentimes people say like a location becomes a character in the story and what i felt was (laughs) that sexuality is basically a main character in a lot of these stories yes and the act of sex is a main character and so in this story particular, in particular, it's we have the protagonist who's making her list, and then the other character is her sexual experience. So what would be the other, like, big character throughout my life? Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think she's actively trying within these stories to highlight the sexuality of women and the sexual lives of women. Um and um, I think she does a good job specifically bringing queer women into the story as well. I mean, clearly, I think most of the stories have uh, have a, an LGBT focus of some form or, or at least a character of some form. Um, yeah, I think nearly all of them. And nearly all, all of them. them. I think inventory, um, if, to answer your question, why this, I think she, she mentions in the story, she says, you know, that this, the... Uh, the virus is spread when people touch. If only people could stop touching each other. She says that she's lying naked with somebody. Well, the uh, CDC <laughs> lady says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the CDC lady says it. But I think yeah. you're right. Sorry. Um, yeah, but, but I she... think that, you know, that's the reason why. Because there's because if you have a disease that's killing people um, when they interact with each other, wouldn't you then start counting down the interactions that you have? Um, so that's that's my theory on why why inventory. Oh yeah, why, it makes sense. It was just interesting why that particular interaction, not you know, 
you know, somebody it's who's held your hand or hugged yeah. or kissed or something. Like, she chose that. And it was, like I said, it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting choice. And, it, you know, she makes other lists, too. This is just the one we're reading. Right. So. Of course. Of course. What about you, Mary? Yeah, I mean, I this was probably one of my favorites, um, but I'm not sure if I have much more to add, honestly. Um, I agree with what Jeanette was saying. Uh, I thought it was also interesting to to kind of see, without it like being a big thing, how her different partners went back and forth because she was bisexual. And, you know, it's kind of cool when it can just, just be a... It's, it just is. Right, exactly, without it being like a big thing, uh, which I felt like was true with a lot of these stories. It's just helping to normalize mm-hmm. that without it having to be like the big... And then this person came out, and this is the purpose of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, what about you, Susan? Um, I agree with all well, what you guys have said. Um, one thing I wanted to add was that I found it sad. Um, because she knows that this this illness, this disease is spreading and it's by human contact. Um, I mean, she even says like, oh, I give them three days before they're allowed to enter my door. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows that how she still wanted that human connection, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. that was the risk she was willing to take to not feel alone. And at the end, she, you know finds herself having to be and I thought that was really sad <laughs> it is really sad you know it's how much you need it yeah you know, how much you people need it a disease well, yeah. like this would end the would end the human race because of this I think it's very easy right to see that um do, do you have a favorite lover before we move on no I don't think so yeah no mm. Oh, all right, I'm going to give Christina, one of our real-life people, she was like, the old lady at the end. <laughs> she was so excited uh, during a normal book club. She was like, I loved her. And I agree. I think she was great. Um, she had a really good vibe, I feel like. A good vibe. Um, and I like the guy with the gray eyes, mostly because of how she inventoried him. The guy with the gray eyes. Um, He's the one that stands out in my memory because, because of the way of the she way. describes it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, I want to go back. I didn't have time. I, I thought about it before this episode. I want to go back and reread that story and see if there's another reason why he stands out to me. But he also stands out to me pretty pretty hardcore. Um, okay. Moving on to number three, Mothers. Um, this story is about – this must be the trippiest one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that. In my opinion, it's the trippiest one. So um, you, you, it's very hard to tell what is real and what is not real, what is imaginary and what is imaginary. This entire story might be imaginary. You, you, you might, it's, it's just intense. Um, it basically, the synopsis of this is um, a woman's lesbian lover shows up and says, this is your baby. I had her. Here you go hands it off. And this woman's like, I don't know what to do with a baby. And then craziness ensues. Um, so there's a lot of great quotes from this one. Uh, a lot of people, uh, th- there's a lot of great moments about um, motherhood in general. I think obviously this one is about mothers. If, like the other one is about sex and needing and, and feeling. The other one's about what's taken from you when you're in relationships. This one's about what maybe is taken from you 
when you become a mom. And there's two moms here, so I feel like nothing is taken from you. You guys have lovely... <laughs> like, um, you know, I don't feel that way. But I think maybe the insanity of maybe the first few... I don't know. I imagine not being able to sleep and a baby always crying and, and, and everything that happens the first month of motherhood as being this sort of dreamlike crazy state um, that I felt like maybe she was trying to encapsulate in this, but I don't know. Like, I don't know that this, this story is just off the wall. I, I want, I want to start with a mom here. Um, I'm going to start with Susan because I've been picking on Jeanette. I'm going to start with Susan. <laughs> uh, Susan, what do you think about this story? It's because I've been a mom longer, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, you know, so I, it, it is crazy pants. Like, I think by the time I finished reading, I was like, what? Um, <laughs> I kind of felt regret with the main character, um, as she, you know, has the baby, you know, unceremoniously like dumped on her, um, like, oh, this baby is here. And then she starts having these imaginings of what it would be like if, you know, my, my girlfriend and I stayed together and had this baby together. Like it, even though it was kind of like all over the place, which is hard to keep track of when, you know, you're tired. (laughs) Um, but like I found like it felt like she was kind of regretting and maybe imagining what it would be like if she stayed together with her girlfriend um who had the baby and and then she had like all these supposings and she, I guess she wasn't quite sure which way to go and it could to- definitely be from sleep deprivation I mean like it is so terrible <laughs> um, uh True. it's just you know a lot of, I mean, even besides the crying, I mean, you just have to get up like every few hours because they're just hungry constantly because their poor tummies are tiny. Um, right. And it's, it's definitely hard to focus. So um, I think because I was thinking more on, along the regrets, but I can see what you're saying about like, yeah, it could be like her experiencing motherhood for the first month of life. Um, I was trying to figure out how old the baby was, but I don't think I quite got it. I Like pretty young. But it was like the baby was doing something that like a newborn wouldn't do. So I wasn't I was trying to like figure that out. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of moments where like and then the baby grows up. Did the baby? Yeah. Grow up? Yeah. So yeah. Like, is this baby newborn? Is this baby like is nine months old? Head? Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't quite sure where in babyhood she was. Like what I mean, kind of curve. Especially because it seems like they were they were together and happy. And then all right. of a sudden the, the yeah. lover shows up with the baby. It's like, mm-hmm. did you not notice your lover was pregnant? I am so confused for you. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I, I felt regret because she's looking around like, oh, these are things I could have done, you know, before. Aww. So, yeah. So I, I felt regret. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that, but I'm glad you pointed it yeah. out. <laughs> um, what about you, Mare? Yeah, this one was just like a big question mark. Uh, like, what is happening? But... Mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting concept of two women being able to procreate. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, huh, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> I feel like there's a good quote too. I think summarize what what is like when um when she's just like, "There's no way for me to tell her that we are so close. We are so close. Please don't do this now. We are so fucking close." Like I'm just like, oh man, I could hear your extreme desperation in that line. Um. Yes. Um, uh, what about you, Jeanette? How was it for you? 
Um, for this one, I have to admit, like, it was super anxiety-inducing, and maybe yeah. that's because I'm still, like, a relatively new mom. Like, yeah. you know, my kid's only a year old. Mm-hmm. I very, very, very vividly recall the feeling when somebody first hands you a baby, and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do with this now? Yep. <laughs> um, you know, I, I honestly feel like that was five minutes ago sometimes, and then I look at my kid, and I'm like, what? how are you walking? This doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Um, so for me, a lot of this was very anxiety-inducing in that mm-hmm. sense, and then there was the anxiety on top of that of like there was a lot of things where you don't understand what's real or what's happening here in terms of like in relation to the last scene. Like, is this something that she's thinking about remembering, imagining, is this really happening? Have we moved through time? Um, And that just, it just made it a very difficult read in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I think it's the one that is I, I, I constantly went back in this story and thought, man, this is a little bit like and this is gonna be a weird tangent for people, but Tender Buttons by Gertrude Stein. I I, I warned if has anyone here yeah, read Tender no. Buttons by Gertrude Stein? Well, you know I did, because no. weren't we yeah. in that class together? Yeah, yeah, we um, were. But yeah, just like totally out there, like does this mean anything or is it just randomness? Yeah. It's, it's an inventory of random things. And I, I proposed in a thesis once that it was because it's supposed to make you feel a certain way. It's not, you're not supposed to get anything from it. We're all just supposed to have a universal feeling about the story. And that's how I feel like mothers is. It's so weird. and so out there and there's so much like, I, I, I mean, Jeanette, I totally agree with you. It's so anxiety. It's it's so much anxiety inducing for me to read through um, that I thought, well, maybe maybe it's not about what's happening. <laughs> maybe it's about how I feel about what's happening. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting one, but yeah, big question marks all yep. around. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so now we're getting to the long one, um, especially heinous, which is the middle. It, it lands right in the middle of this book. It's technically a novella. It's not even a short story. It's that mm-hmm. long. And, and, and the especially heinous is, is interesting. People seem to either love it or hate it, um, generally. It details out an alternate universe of law and order SVU. Yep. <laughs> um, it goes through seasons and, I guess, episodes. I'm, like, I'm the type of person that watches law and order, like, if I'm sick and dying and there's literally nothing else on. So I, I have yeah. no idea about the character development and all this other sort of stuff um, that happens in the show. Um, but there's a lot going on here. There's um, the most magical realism, I would say, happens in Especially Heinous. We have ghosts with bells for eyes. We have doppelgangers that are set on ruining our main characters' lives. Um, we have false memories. We have uh, just a lot. A lot is happening. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of amazing one-liners in this one as well. <laughs> so um, many, yeah. So many good one-liners. Um, which I guess makes it worth it just on its own. What did... I honestly still don't know how I feel about this one. Um, I'm going to start with Meredith. Meredith, how did you feel about Especially Heinous? 
Well, like like you mentioned, I'm the same way. I've seen like maybe two or three episodes of Law and Order SVU. So I mean, I you know I generally know the two main detectives, and I guess they have you know some character development go on because that show's been on forever. Uh, but I don't have a lot of background with it, so it, 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 I don't know. I think I would have gone into it differently if I had that background. But there were so many good one-liners. Um, it was interesting, but I do feel like it got to the point where it was just too long. Yeah, um, I, I think it was maybe like a fourth too long. Maybe. She did yeah. 12 seasons worth of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is too long for anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I agree if it's too long for anything, but it's, it's, I don't know. It, I I get where it went. I get where it it happened. And and again, some of them are just these great one-liners, but there's, there's just a lot, it takes a long time getting there. Um, Susan, how did you feel about it? Oh, I hated it. (laughs) Fair. I, it, I, I get it's interesting. I was like, oh, this is really fascinating. She takes each season, she takes an episode and makes a little blurb about it to create a story. Great. It's like, I mean, Ella Nordesview has gone, gone on for more than 12 seasons and she's done 12 seasons worth of this. And I mean, horror is not my thing anyway, so I'm getting like freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, yes, there are good one-liners, but to me it wasn't worth it. <laughs> uh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but like, I Don't I get it. Like, I thought it was interesting. It was fascinating that she wanted to try this out. But I was like, this was not for me. <laughs> it's. I mean, SVU in general is not for everyone. Yes, that too. <laughs> SVU is like. That's I've true. Watched maybe five episodes of that show, and there's one episode that is literally scarred into my brain that I wish I never saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, there's a it's, lot it's of a, yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough material, and this, and I'm going to, I was wrong, I'm going to invoke a trigger warning on two specific ones, especially Heinous is, it has a trigger warning for mm-hmm. um, rape and extreme violence against women, right. and we are probably going to discuss it, so you might want to turn away. Um, Jeanette, <laughs> what did you think in general before I get into more nitty gritty specific quotes and that sort of thing? I mean, in general, like, I mean... You said, like, that you think it's more the most magical realistic. I found it straight up most, like, supernatural horror fantasy, um, kind of, in the yeah. entire book, I want to say. Um, because it starts off so, like, it does start off so normal. And normal, yeah. I mean, I've only seen a couple of episodes of the show ever, so I don't have that background. Um, but I, like... You know. Sorry, SVU fans. Yeah. I, I, I like crime shows in general, um, but this is not one that I've ever picked up. Um, and so, like, I kind of did a quick Google, and, you know, the synopses on the first couple episodes seem fairly similar to, like, any synopsis of the first couple episodes that you can find anywhere on the internet. Um, and then it you know, it progressively grows like more supernatural and everything. And I, to the point where I'm like, this is just straight up horror now, mm-hmm. um, which is not my, it's not my straight jam. up horror, except that the main characters like, well, I guess sometime in horror, the main characters invited in. Right. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a lot of times in horror. I, I love the moment Benson 
is lonely without the bells. Mm -hmm. And she breaks the line of salt. And she's like, oopsie. (laughs) Yeah. She's totally like, mm -hmm. come back in, my ghost babies. Come back in, my ghost babies. I missed you. You gave me purpose. Yeah, Yeah, Um, not my thing. (laughs) But then at the same time, so it's interesting because I'm – I, I don't like scary things. I don't like horror. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I really thought of this as like <laughs> horror. I don't know. Like I didn't I think of it as straight up horror. Um, yeah, um, but it has horror elements. It definitely has horror elements, right? And some of it is really disturbing. But then there'd be something really disturbing, and then there would be like an episode that was a one liner that just made me laugh out loud because it was so <laughs> absurd, right? Right. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Uh, do we want to bring up some of our favorite like? I've got like three here I want to talk about. I hope other people talk about it instead of me. <laughs> um, any of your like favorite one-liners? I really don't have one. <laughs> yeah, none of them really stood out for me, but that's because, you know, horror kind of overtakes over, everything. Over, yep, overtake and by, yeah. and by yep. the time, especially like 272 episodes mm-hmm. goes by, 272 episodes. Yep. <laughs> Just going to keep saying that. Um by the time you get through that, it really kind of overtakes all the rest. Like, at first, I was like, you know, I was like, the, like these witty personalities make me actually want to watch SVU. Like, are they this witty on the show? <laughs> because I like a good witty crime show. And by the end, I'm like, I don't ever want to watch the show. I don't watch it. <laughs> um, yeah. And it wasn't even the real show. It was just the horror of the fiction. It was just the horror of the <laughs> right? uh, you, This is not a show for you. I mean, Jeanette, I'm telling you straight up. Well, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> There's a reason I've never picked it up. I yeah, yeah, up yeah. The witty crime stuff. Um, I, I think, you know, this one is the longest. So, I mean, and I think maybe the most straightforward as to what type of violence we're talking about when it comes to women. We're talking about straight up physical and sexual violence to women um, in this story. And I think that's that's obvious um the the one that hits me the hardest the like the mo the the thing in the book that stands out and this might be the standout line for me or or quote and it's um and it's uh for three days in a row there is not a single victim in the entire precinct no rapes no murders no rape murders no kidnappings no child pornography made bought or sold no molestations no sexual assaults no sexual harassment no forced prostitution no human trafficking no subway gropings no incest no indecent exposures no stalking not even an unwanted dirty phone call then in the gloaming of a wednesday a man wolf whistles at a woman on her way to an aa meeting the whole city releases a long-held breath and everything returns to normal. Mm-hmm. That is a f***ed up. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. That is a messed up line. But I mean, that is the daily constant life and fear that women have. And for three days, none of it happened. And then tension breaks. And everything returns to normal, normal, right? It messes me up. That that line messes me up so much. That, that entire life. Yeah, it's so effed up, but it's like it's so... It's, it's so true. So, yeah, and it's just... Yeah, the way it's written, too, is just really well written. <laughs> I mean, and if you listen to this on audiobook, that section in audio is really well delivered, by the way, if you listen to it on audio. Um I know, Mary, you specifically had a few that you liked. Um, if you want to point out any before we move on. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I'm going through them now because I wrote down a bunch. That's that's what I mean. Like I just I was highlighting all the time through this, even though I was like, this is way too long. I'm still <laughs> highlighting stuff because there's such good one-liners. Yeah. Um, one that I forgot about until I went back through my highlights. Uh, it was an episode uh, called Shadow. And it said, if the day had been sunny and not overcast, she would have seen him coming. Everyone blames the weatherman. Uh, <laughs> and it's so, yeah, it, like literally sends chills down my spine. But no one, everyone blames the weatherman. Nobody blames the man. Mm-hmm, exactly. Like that, that's then, the implied, I think, secondary thing to that sentence. Exactly. And another one that I forgot about that was still really effed up, it was called Outcry. It says, only after the, let me try that again. this one. Yeah. Only after the sixth small black girl goes missing does the police commissioner finally make a statement, interrupting the season finale of a popular soap opera. The enraged letters start coming soon after. Are you going to tell me if Susan's baby belongs to David or not, Mr. Police Commissioner, says one. Another one sends anthrax. Like, it's, it's just, it's so absurd, but it's also but so, so true. true. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's the thing. There's these absurd one-liners that in this context sounds absurd, but if you take 10 seconds to think about them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what would happen. And that's the saddest thing. Um, the two that stand out for me, um, in addition to those, all good, all good, Mary, is sophomore jinx. The second time the basketball team covers up a murder, the coach decides that he's finally had enough. Yeah, I mean, time. you know, like once is okay. Yeah, you, you, you need know. to cover up one murder, whatever. Um, the second one for me is Liberties. Um, I mean, not not everybody, the constitutional scholar scoffed, looking equal parts amused and scandalized. Can you imagine if everyone had those rights? Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think that's, yeah, there's some really great, highlights or spotlights to the world in this book in that in in that story um that um for me at least makes it worth the read um any last thoughts on especially heinous before we move on Jeanette, susan Mm. since we just talked for like five minutes salad no (laughs) no no although i will say the whole like second time basketball team covers up the murder thing like that just it, there's something about that that I found very infuriating. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this whole book is supposed to make you feel infuriated. <laughs> um, so no, I, I get it. Um, real women have bodies. Real women have bodies. There is a disease going around where women are disappearing, <laughs> um, like literally fading, literally fading nothing. out of existence. Um, there's a lot to this story. Uh, and this is, I, I think a lot of this is about how people view women and how through society we view ourselves. Um, this was a hard one for me to read and I particularly, I don't know, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, let's start with Jeanette. Jeanette, how did you feel about real women have bodies? So this one and the one after it are actually the two that I actually did kind of like. And like, I just truly related with the protagonist, you know, 
her anger and her frustration and just the way she felt like the way she wanted to do something. Yeah. Like you see, you know, she sees that these women are fading and she sees what is happening to them after they fade and she feels terrible and she just wants to do something. And you can see it, especially in the last scene of like the, Mm -hmm. the frustrated, just yelling and, you know, tearing apart of the dresses that she wants to be able to help. She wants something to be done. And that is the, that is the, probably the, one of the two stories I related to most in that Uh, sense. There's so many times in the world where you just see something and you're like, I just need to do something, even if it's just yell and yell unproductively. And so you really related to the protagonist then in this, in this, in this case. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, sorry, I'll, I'll keep my thoughts on this to the end. Actually, I want to keep my thoughts on this till, till everyone's had a chance to speak. Meredith, what did you, what did you think of Real Women Have Bodies? I think this was probably my favorite of all the short stories. It was, I mean, it's a really, it's a really interesting concept, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this disease or virus or whatever, you know, it is, no one can figure out why it's happening or really anything, but it's only happening to women. And, and then the, the whole, like these kind of, well, that's the thing. They don't really know. Are you dead? Are you alive? Are you still, are you still you when you fade? You know, what are you if, if you don't have your body and these kind of ghost women, whatever you want to call them, are like getting sewn into these beautiful dresses Mm-hmm. that these other women are wearing that are like the epitome of feminine but they're also not dresses that people are going to wear all the time right they're like party dresses mm-hmm. or prom dresses or whatever and so i don't know there's a lot there that i'm still trying to wrap my mind around but i, I liked it yeah I, okay holding on to the end here holding on to the end <laughs> susan thoughts um i agree with meredith um this was also my favorite I thought it was the most, um, like, it wasn't, like, too scary. (laughs) Um, But it felt, like, really put together, and I thought it was fascinating. I mean, and as Jeanette mentioned with the main character, like, you know, breaking everything in the store and, like, ripping fabric to free the women. um, That happens a lot, doesn't it? Where, like, the one person who notices something is trying to bring attention to it, and nobody's listening. And you're just angry. You know, and yeah, and she's trying to figure it out, but nobody's really helping her try to figure it out. It's just like, you know, it's a thing that's going to happen. We just need to, like, accept our fate, Um, you know, and which was what she was doing with the girlfriend, you know, like they were just trying to enjoy the time they had together. Um, But it was like, you know, helplessness. Um, And, you know, that's been happening a lot and for a long time with women. You know, they, they feel helpless. They can't do anything. Um, and so at the end when she was like, you know, breaking everything, I was like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, we need more of that. <laughs> like Someone yeah. to like take charge and try to do something, um, and try to, try to make a change, like try to free the women. And then maybe that would bring the women back. You don't know. Nobody's tried. Um, so yeah, it was, it really, I really liked it. Like I felt like there was a little bit of hope at the end of that story. 
So I've, I've been thinking a lot about this story, more than the others, I think, strangely. Um, there's a quote in it that's, um, soon I'll be nothing more too. None of us will make it to the end. And in our real life book club, I mentioned an, a half-baked idea that I had just felt during the story about this, about being age, about, about women aging. And, um, and the more and more I think about it, the more and more I, I, I think about that as a, as sort of a cornerstone to, to what's going on here. So real women have bodies at the beginning. You start off with this woman hanging out with, um, her two male coworkers or three male coworkers, a few male coworkers, and they're talking about this disease. And at this point we haven't really gotten the idea that, uh, that what's happening here is they're literally disappearing, right? You think maybe they're talking about, you don't want overly thin women, but um, he says hips, that's what you want, hips, enough flesh for you to grab onto, you know? What would you do with something, without something to hold? That's like like trying to drink water without a cup, Casey finishes. I'm always surprised at the poetry in which boys can describe boning. Um, and then he like takes his finger and touches the main girl and says, you're like stone. And there's something about that touch to me that um, that it feels very invasive too. But it's specifically the words, you're like stone. And there's something about every, I don't know if you noticed this, but, um, or you have, there's been a lot of commentary on it, but um, the child girl star actress, the child actress star from Stranger Things, the girl, the little mm-hmm. girl, oh, was yeah. named very recently um, one of the sexiest actresses alive. She's like 13, 14. Ugh. Right? Gross. So and gross. like done by like a serious publication. Um, there is a truth to women where you start becoming invisible after a certain age. And that age is getting younger and younger and younger. Um, and I really think that I really feel at least, that this story is about that, that this is a story about women and when they start to become invisible. And every generation, they're talking about how it's happening to younger and younger women. And it's this idea that once you've lost your youth, once you've lost your innocence, you start to fade. Um, And yeah, there's just something really devastatingly sad to me about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a really interesting idea. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, that's my opinion. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have so many thoughts on this, but really it all boils down to that. Um, any last thoughts on real women have bodies? Um, I think just that, like you said, that as they're getting older, they're, you know, it's becoming you become invisible. And so then these invisible women are trying to put themselves into very feminine things. And it's for proms. It's for younger and younger Mm -hmm. women. Right. So, yeah. And then another quote that I wrote down that I liked, um, she's walking around the mall, like after coming to this realization that these women are getting like sewn up into dresses, she says, you know, imagine customers uncapping tubes of lipstick and twisting the color free and faded women squeezing up around the makeup thumbs first. That's a good one. That's just a good line. Yeah, it is. It's, just, it's really good. Really good writing. Um, but I mean, the other thing is that specific store, that specific store at the very beginning of that story, they said that the store reminds women of a coffin. That's why people mm-hmm. come in. 
mm-hmm. is that mm, like yeah. it's youth and a coffin and all that. I think maybe that's what um, tipped me off to this idea of uh, youth and age. But but yeah, that like that's why people feel the need to buy because they feel like they're yeah. Anyway, yeah. lots think, heavy. Heavy. Yeah. What? I, I just um, one of the things that also stood out to me is that you know these women are you know, forcing themselves into these dresses. And the owner of the store says, no, it's okay because, you know, they're, they're coming to, they're coming to me. They're coming to me. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's their choice. Right. And so that's something that kind of uh, occurred to me while you were talking about. And and uh, the question is, is it their choice, right? Like, is it their choice or is this just the choices left to them? So, I mean, they're faded away. What else choice do they have? I don't know. It's interesting. Well, and it, it just strikes me as when you talk about like this age thing or not just the age thing, but any situation in which, you know, women complain, there's a lot of, there's always a lot of, well, you know, she said it was okay. Oh. It was her choice. Oh. Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, you know, yes, she's made up to look like she's 20 years younger than she is, but, you know, that's what she wanted. And this, and this, is, and this, is, this is the way it is. This is Hollywood. This is the way it is. Or um, why didn't they speak up sooner? These yeah, women so. have no voices. These women have no voices. Why didn't they speak up sooner? Well, they can't. All right, all right. So, sorry, just price. a thought I was having. No, it's good. It's a good thought. It's a great <laughs> thought. I just could spend all day on that thought. So I'm going, I'm going to move on <laughs> uh, to eight bites so that we can end this episode at a reasonable hour. Um, eight bites um, is a story about a eating disorder. Um, let's just go through this one pretty quick, guys liked it didn't like it what did you feel like so this is my other one that I really really liked and I could really like relate to that feeling of you know not wanting your body to look like how it looks and then feeling really frustrated with you know your inability to change that or and how people relate to you because of your body or because of the way you're relating to your body. Right. So just really, really related to that. And that this is my other favorite, like this one and the last one were probably my two favorites. These are the ones I really actually liked from this collection. And this one just, it made me sad. Like it hurt me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has to do a lot with how your feelings about yourself impact the feelings of your loved ones and the ones around you. And there's a lot to unpack here. Um, And how your relationship, especially like mother and daughter. Right. Yeah. And there, you know, your mother's relationship with her body and your daughter's relationship with her body and how all of those things relate. And it just, it hurt me in a lot of ways and it was very relevant to me in a lot of ways. And yeah. Hugs, Jeanette. I feel Mm -hmm. you. I feel you a lot. Yeah. What Um, was, really upsetting is that she because she has sisters two three sisters three sisters three sisters who went through the same procedure and they're like oh yeah it's the best thing ever 
And it's mm-hmm. like you you're encouraging her to like it's great that you're supportive, but shouldn't you be supportive in other ways too? <laughs> Um, they're just all talking about and flaunting their body and just making the main character feel terrible, you know? Um, yeah. Like, that's that's not the support a person needs, you know? No. Like, yes, you're saying you're being supportive, but you're not really. <laughs> um, like, sometimes you have to give, you know, talk about hard things like her daughter was. Like, you don't really have to do this. You know, you just think you do. Because um, right. it's a serious procedure. Like... Yeah. If it, I mean, this uh, is definitely, for me, the violence that other women do to other women and yeah. the violence that we do to ourselves, which is almost harder to read sometimes than we're, we're used to reading about the, or we're used to knowing the violence men in society do against us, but the violence we do against ourselves is... Oh, sometimes that can be worse. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think a lot of times it can be worse and it's just heartbreaking to read about. Yeah. More psychologically damaging for sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and you see it all start with her mother, right? The main Mm -hmm. character's mother who just, you eat eight bites of any meal and that is enough. And you just, she just put her silverware down and that was it. You know, like talk about (laughs) having to watch up and see that and, and not be able to feel like, you are full after eight bites, but your mother is very adamant that that's all that you would need. Right. Uh, right. You know, it's, yeah, I agree with what everyone else was saying. Oh, all right. Um, I'm, I hate to do this, but I'm going to move on. Um, the resident is the next one. Uh, this one is the most, I think, autobiographical. Um, mm-hmm. It's about a, women writer at a women's conference and it's the idea of are women allowed to write about themselves the way men are i i think mm-hmm. is maybe one of the big things that come across here um you know uh what do you all think about this one starting with meredith this time okay well it wasn't a women's conference there no. was definitely oh, men there yeah there it was, was men. There. sorry yeah sorry i don't know why i thought it was sorry oh the girl scout group sorry i'm confusing the two yes. things go mm-hmm. go go <laughs> Um, yes, I mean, it was definitely at least somewhat autobiographical because it does say in the end that she was a resident at like this and that. And so you're like, hmm, all right. So what happens at these residencies? Um, and, and, <laughs> and so going back and forth, like they, she was doing this interesting, um, bit about residents versus colonists. Mm-hmm. Because one of the guys there says, "Oh well, yeah, we're colonists because this is an artist colony," uh, you know, and so and and then she's thinking back to, well, what are we bringing like small pox blankets and you know like all of this <laughs> stuff. Um, so this one, yeah, like it was it was interesting, but it was it was a lot in her head, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be a difficult place to spend a lot of time is in someone else's head. Um, and then what is, Oh yeah, sorry. I was like, that, that was for something. Um, and so one of these quotes that I highlighted, uh, she says, what is worse being locked outside of your own mind or being locked inside of it? Mm. What is worse writing a trope or being one? Oh, so good. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, my, one of my favorites from this one is, um, 
is I took a step towards her. It's my right to reside in my own mind. It's my right. It's my right to be unsociable. And it's my right to be unpleasant to be around. Do you ever listen to yourself? This is crazy. That is crazy. Everything is crazy to you. By whose measure? Well, it is my right to be crazy, as you love to say so much. I have no shame. I have felt many things in my life, but shame is not among them. Yeah, I was so happy when she stood up. I know, me too. It was the best part. (laughs) Um, uh, No, Jeanette, we haven't heard from you on this one yet. Um, I I don't have a whole lot to add to what um, Meredith was saying about, you know, it's very much inside the head. Um, uh, I did like how she stood up for herself at the end. I kind of, I don't know, I kind of wanted more from this one. Does that make sense? Like, I wanted more interaction, more more something. Yeah. Not quite sure what it was lacking for me. Yeah, I get it. Because um, I had mixed feelings about this one. I, there are parts that I liked, like, you know, her standing up for herself and, like, her, you know, really finding inspiration and trying to you know write a story that she would be proud of um but at the same time like it felt like she was lost um and you know with her getting sick and getting the crap over like the little bug bites or whatever that she was popping Mm -hmm. um and like her wife like she was trying to write letters to her wife but she wasn't getting any letters back so I felt like there was something more going on and it may have like wrapped up maybe too quickly or something because I like I think I'm right there with you, Janelle. Like I felt incomplete. Um, yeah. So interesting. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to the last one. Difficult at parties. Uh, this is another trigger warning book. Want to throw it out there? Um, if you have issues with sexual assault, turn away. Um, Machado rounds out ending this book um, with the story about a woman who has suffered sexual assault and is trying to find her place in the world um, and with her new traumas. Um, What do you all, how did this one impact you? Uh, What do you think about this being the last story? What do you think? This one was hard for me. Um, Like I felt not bad. Like I felt like I would feel her pain, like the struggle she was going through. And I felt really terrible um, because it was her boyfriend. Right. That was with her. her Yeah. Yeah, Not Mm -hmm. husband. Um, No. So like he's trying to help her, but he is help. You know, he feels helpless because he's not quite sure how he would help her. And she's still going through the trauma and trying to um, like, get on with her life but even try to like get back up um for me that was it was really painful to read um and you know to make an impact I think it was smart to make it the last story um because it it cut it stuck with me for a little while you know um but uh, but yeah it was definitely the hardest to read for me yeah, her her battles with intimacy mm-hmm. are like really, really real. Yep. Yeah. Oh, super real. Yep. But at the same time, I'm trying to figure out how much how much time actually passed from when she was assaulted by the end, because you know, like they're they're trying to like 
be able to have sex again and she's trying to get over it. But then at the end, because, you know, she's got that uh, camcorder going, uh, first she wants to see, like, what she's doing when she's sleeping because he says that she's, like, flailing and, Mm -hmm. like, doing all this crazy stuff. So she's watching that, but then one time she leaves it on when, you know, she, I guess, pretty much has sex again for the first time. But then she says when she takes her clothes off, you know, she's watching it, and she still has, like, yellowed bruises from the attack. Oof, and I'm like, yeah. so it hasn't even been that long. Like, are right. you really ready for this? And yeah. and I know he says, like, he's trying to be supportive. But then he says something at some point. Well, you know, you were always, like, you always wanted to have sex. You were always, like, wanting it. And now you don't. And it's like, well, are we talking about, like, a few weeks here? Has it even been a month? Like, mm, right. <laughs> you know? It's this, it's this. Yeah, it's very striking how when women experience trauma, there seems to be this idea that, like, we can't take time. You know, we have to get back to normal as fast as possible. You have to be a good wife, a good partner, a good mother, a good this, a good that. And you don't have time for yourself. And, yeah, I think that comes through really hard here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I don't see. And the thing about that last scene with the bruises, like I couldn't figure out if they were trying to say um, that the bruises were from the assault or the bruises were from like the flailing and everything that she was doing in the night. Mm. Like I could not, that's, this is another story where I wanted more and it had like the supernatural element where she could like hear people in porn videos as she was watching them. And I'm Mm. like, you don't need that. Like you have enough material right here just expressing what she's going through like this is enough right and because it's there's just so much there's so much suffering there's so much miscommunication and lack of understanding happening in this story already to dig through well i mean the extra and she included it for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. I'm not her. Um, but oh, I'm what, sure what, she did. I just it was one what, of those situations. I just felt like it right didn't need what, to be there. What do we think the reason of including the porn as in, in this and you know her ability to get comfort from it in a weird way? Any thoughts on that? Well, does she get comfort from it? Because at some point she ends up, like, throwing her laptop across the room because the voices won't stop. So. Well, she goes to it for comfort. I don't know if she actually gets comfort. (laughs) I mean, it seemed to me that it's something that she is looking for comfort in Mm -hmm. due to how she used to be. Um, And... I think she becomes frustrated, angry because she's not finding that comfort and she's not comfortable with herself or with sex or with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that it's, I don't know what the right way to say this is, but I don't know that she needs to be, uh, you know, I'm not sure this is going to come out right, but 
people are always trying to make themselves okay too fast. And sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Right. She doesn't need to fix herself. Right. And so, you know, I think that's what she's looking for. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to not be okay. Agreed. Just take that time for yourself and figure out what you need to get there. And I think maybe that's a good note to end this book on, you know, that Mm -hmm. the moral of the story is that you don't, hey, listen, you know, especially since reframing this, you know, this came out again from the 2016 election. This came from this, you know, we had a big woman's rally in D.C. And, you know, all these people are clearly frustrated and it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel these feelings and have these feelings and go through this process and you do not need to fix yourself right away. You don't need to go back to normal. Normal normal isn't what should be normal. Um, those are really my last thoughts. So let me ask um, final thoughts and did you like it? Um, it I mean, was... I think... Oh, go ahead, Meredith. Um, probably as most people would say with the collection of short stories, I liked some of them. I didn't like all of them, but I think there was some really interesting topics touched on. Um, so I, I don't know if I would like widely recommend this, but if I really know the person, I might, if I know that they would get something from it, I might recommend it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, it was, it was okay. Uh, I think Extremely Heinous just really brought down my opinion of the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is well written. So if someone was like um, really into the genre of the like, horror and fantasy and short stories, like I would, I would recommend it to them. But definitely not like the general public, you know. So, Jeanette, um, it's really yeah, not my thing. I didn't particularly like it there's I see what she's trying to do with it and there like I said there are two stories that I did like in it overall just not for me but that's okay yeah um I found it cathartic um I think it's unapologetic in interesting ways and out there in interesting ways and I like weird so I don't like horror too much um so in the short story form it was actually much more edible to me than um it would have been if this was a book and I had to like deal with the suspense the entire way through. I don't think I could have handled that. Um, I would recommend this to somebody who's angry or um, interested in getting more points of view, but I, I would not widely recommend this book. I think it's, it's for an audience. I think like men explain things to me, well, maybe even more so this is for a specific audience. Um, so um, that that rounds up 2017. Um, our next book for Eclectic Readers is very different. <laughs> and it is uh, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. So if you're looking for something a little bit more magical, <laughs> a little bit more fantasy, um, Sorcerer to the Crown is definitely going to be a book for you. And it's a great book. And it's Jeanette's book uh, for 2018. Kicking the ear off. Yeah. All right. 
So, for this year, if you would like to see our show notes and all the books that we were talking about, you can go to eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 43, and you can look for us on the internet. Susan, where will people find you? Oh, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy at Rurikaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And Tara? You can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy under my name, which is Tara, T-A-R-A, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. Meredith, how about you? You can find me on Instagram, let's see, Twitter, Goodreads, all at Mare the Book Gal, M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette, that's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E, and at Goodreads and let's see, at J-M-T Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A. And you better subscribe in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. Uh, because we do have fun episodes come out from time to time. You don't want to miss them. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. That really, really helps make our day, guys. And it helps other people find us. So that would be a nice holiday gift if you would like to leave one for us. In the meantime, let's shell this until next month. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye guys. Happy holidays. <laughs>